Good morning or good afternoon, folks, and welcome back to the Seat Struck Movie Podcast. Today is Sunday, and it is the 3rd of April, and we're great to hear, see all of you again. And I'm joined today by special guest, Robin. Hi. Say hi. And hi. Uh, our, our usual suspect, John. Hey, folks. Great. Glad to be on again. And unfortunately, Quinn is away this week, uh, but we've got a very exciting treat for you, too. So we're moving into April now. No more April Fool's. Um, but we're going to kick Thank it God. off with a little bit, a little bit of Shakespeare anyway. So, uh, <laughs> so frustrating. Yeah, what an what an annoying. I don't know what's <laughs> real and what's fake anymore. Cele- like, is, oh, it it's celebration? is it a celebration or what? You know, I don't even know what it Reality is. Reality but... <laughs> is a joke at this yeah, yeah. point. Reality yeah. is a joke. We're, we're turning into the Matrix. <laughs> but... yeah, yeah. yeah, oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah, and so, yeah, we have a special treat this month. So we're going to be diving headfirst into some Shakespeare adaptations too. Sweet. So we have our first Shakespeare adaptation up today. Um, it's the kind of infamous, I guess you could say, Romeo plus Juliet yeah, from plus the 90s Juliet. <laughs> with Leonardo DiCaprio and uh, Claire Danes, too. So this is a very uh, gun heavy, uh, interesting modern take on it, too. What did you yeah. think of it, John? Well, I think it's fun to kind of start off the Romeo or sorry, the uh, the Shakespeare month with this one, because I mean, like Romeo and Juliet to me was sort of like an introductory text to Shakespeare. I mean, like, I think we did like Twelfth Night. I think everyone does like grade nine or 10, like in high school. But uh, like, I think like as when I was younger, like, you know, not really knowing much of Shakespeare, like Romeo and Juliet is the one that that comes up the most sort of as like a pop culture uh, reference point. And it, it's a good kind of introductory text to Shakespeare in some ways, because it is, I guess it is, is it classified as a tragedy? I guess it is, because it's yeah, yeah, tragedies or comedies. But I, it's not like, it's not like as heady as something like Macbeth or something like that. It's a no. little bit more lighter fare. And it allows for a lot of, I think, good kind of adaptations. Some of them play it a little bit more straight. And this one's fun because it it kind of goes for more of the spirit of Shakespeare. It goes for kind of a little bit more playful. And I think Baz Luhrmann himself said, like, mm. I was I was listening to an interview by him yesterday and he was saying that his intention of doing it the way he did was that he wanted to kind of make it like if Shakespeare was going to make it himself today, what would he have made it like? And, you know, he goes for something like very stylish for, you know, quote unquote, the MTV generation. But um, it was yeah, really fun to like come to this it's, again. It's, it's intentionally kind of over the top tune with all the gunplay and everything too. And the kind yeah, of the, dramatic, you know, delivery. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's like a top five, like high school movie. Cause like we watched this in like English class in like grade 10 or something like that. Like that, that was the last time I think I watched this movie was, uh, was watching it for, uh, for Romeo and Juliet in class. And um, I, I guess what, what was I, I don't know if you guys have have a, I guess you've probably all seen that before. Like, what was your first experience just generally like with Romeo and Juliet? How about you, Curtis? Yeah. So my first I think I can't remember. I think I watched it in probably undergrad, too. And I think you're right. Like Romeo and Juliet is kind of one of those ones like when you sh- think of Shakespeare on a more kind of superficial level. I think that's the one that automatically comes to uh, to mind, too. Right. So that one or probably Hamlet or something, too. So it's like, you know, very much, you know one of those kind of household names for Shakespeare, I guess you could say too. So I watched it too. Uh, kind of fun to watch too. It wasn't my, my favorite adaptation when it, when I first watched it still kind of feel the same about it too. Um, but really interesting to talk about, especially, you know, obviously is with the issues of gun culture and gun control now and uh, you know, watching it again too. There's a lot that kind of comes up uh, nowadays. What about you, Robin? What was your first experience seeing this? Well, so this movie and like part of the reason why I was like, John, I'll, I'll come on the podcast for this movie <laughs> is because it like I watched this movie super young, probably younger than I should have. But I it wasn't my first experience with Romeo and Juliet. I think I watched the 1970s, uh, like the other popular movie 
uh, with my mom. And I remember bawling my eyes out with that. And then um, this, my older sister was like obsessed with this movie rightly so (laughs) and then (laughs) and then uh like we had it on VHS and so like I've watched this movie like tons of times um you know usually when I was growing up I'd stop the last 20 minutes so like last night I had to watch the last 20 minutes (laughs) and it's still like (laughs) gut-wrenching yeah um but as far as like yeah it's, it's a good introductory introductory text to Shakespeare I mean like the the themes are not like that deep it's just like folly of youth and folly Mm -hmm. of rage and like um and how those interplay and I mean like it plays on a lot of like hormonal teen stuff where like you're falling in love like you know like every day of the week so it doesn't really so I think it's like pretty accessible but one thing that I wanted to to say is so my my sister is actually a high school English teacher and she said that her students didn't like this one oh interesting when I was re-watching it yesterday I was like hmm like I wonder like actually whether it is does help understand like help you understand the text and I can kind of see it being a little bit more difficult because it it it's there's a lot that you have to be like aware of while also watching it like the 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 you know the cinematic plays and like the the references and stuff like that that are not Shakespearean at all um and so like, if you're like a 15 year old high school student, you're just like, what the hell's going on anyways? Like, I just need to know what, you know, what he means by like feathers of lead and crap like that. Like, so I can kind of see it being confusing for like some teenagers. Yeah, yeah. And that, and I think that's a good point. Cause like I, when I was rewatching this, like I just remember watching this like in, in school and, and sort of the, what I, what I came out of it was like thinking, like, I, I don't know if this works as like a movie to watch while you're actively learning about this play. Yeah. Like I feel like, you know, yeah. re- reading through Romeo and Juliet, you know, seeing it like on the stage or, or wherever I find like actually like understanding it more thoroughly that way and then coming to this was like a much better way of enjoying it. I could kind of, and yeah. I, I, I was watching it with subtitles too. So it kind of made it easier to follow some of the, you know, the pros because notably in this one, right. it's a, you know, modern setting, modern uh, sort of adaptation of it, but using the original dialogue and text. And, and it's, it's kind of a choice because a, a lot of adaptations for Shakespeare kind of go one of two ways to either kind of, you know, scrupulously just kind of redo it with on, on the stage with all the original dialogue or in kind of the same type of period piece, uh, or they go for like kind of like a wholly unique kind of modern remake with modern characters yeah, like and dialogue steampunk like steampunk romeo and juliet or something yeah you know? yeah or even like west side story <laughs> which is just romeo and juliet with yeah. Uh, yeah. you know new york city 1960s 1950s or that sort of thing so it's yeah. this one is always just fun to watch because of that but yeah i don't know i i found like if I, I was just trying to kind of put myself back into like the i think i watched a grade 10 or grade 11 that mindset i'm like i don't know if i would have been able to follow it or appreciate it as much it was kind of fun just to really yeah. enjoy the, the the visual spectacle of it especially the, the opener it's just so fun yeah. to watch how much stuff is happening on camera and like jamie kennedy's going goofball mode like it was just like a lot of fun to, to just kind of see that uh, but yeah maybe less so if i had to kind of like take notes or my teacher was stopping it like that's the the sword nine millimeter i just remember that for my teacher being like wow look <laughs> at the sword i was like wow you know just like uh what a Crazy. great way to yeah, but uh, yeah. Otherwise, I, I did I did enjoy it though. I, I yeah. like really like uh, John Leguizamo as, as Tybalt too. I I had so much fun. I remember watching that too. And he he always yeah. has that kind of sneer on his face, and he always like is kind of that kind of icon icon from that movie for me. 
Yeah. 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 Well, <laughs> the top like performances are Tybalt and Mercutio, I think. Oh like, man. So yeah. <laughs> like those two, like Mercutio, like even when I was younger and watching this movie, like he was my favorite part of the whole thing. <laughs> and I mean, it might be because he was like in drag and doing like that whole dance routine. Yeah. It's so good. Oh my God. It's so good. But, um, but like just how he delivers everything and like his, you know, his, you know, his delivery of the lines is so great and spot on and I think it was really good marriage of the like staying close to the text but being very modern and like how he was conveying the like underlying like emotions behind what he was saying it was very good mm-hmm. yeah and and I think some people like I, I was reading some people have kind of mixed reactions on just sort of the the way the the actors kind of portray like the Shakespearean like dialogue like a lot of people a lot of people are a little bit critical on sort of DiCaprio and, and Claire Danes, but I actually I actually really like their performances, and I think Leo in particular gives a you know a pretty good range in this. I mean, he is I, supposed to be boyish and young, yeah. and, and and that's part of the sort of the charm of Romeo and Juliet. They're two young kids, and they're yeah. It, it, I feel like Romeo and Juliet are like the easy targets in this in this, yeah. anyways. Mm-hmm. But like, I kind of agree. Like, I was when Rome when Leo was being like the boyish, like in love kind of um, you know fawning or like mopey Romeo. I was not into him but then when he goes full-on like crazy romeo and he's like mm-hmm. holding the gun to his head and holding Tybalt's gun to his head i was like that that's leo that's the leo we know yeah, now, yeah. right drama leo and drama leo drama leo so like the last half of the movie i was like damn okay yeah this boy like knows what he's doing but yeah the first half but maybe it's just like you know romeo and juliet like i've never compelled by those characters anyways so yeah they're kind of easy targets i feel and- and nice to watch a movie where Leo is as old as the women he dates. So, you know, that, that was yeah. nice for too. <laughs> Yo, He's not, they're not okay. half his age. <laughs> so I did some little, I did some like, you know, research like leading up to this. And um, funny that you say that now. So Romeo, so Leo was 21. Claire Danes was yeah. 17. Claire Danes was not the first person considered. That's right. Yeah. Um, Natalie Portman was first considered, but she was only oh, wow. 13, 13 at the time. Yeah. Yeah, lay on the professional, so, I guess. <laughs> yeah, and so they're like, so when they like did a screen test between them, they're like, yeah, no, this is icky. Like it, it was, was just, just like way too, too young, apparent, yeah. yeah, too apparent. And so then they went with with Claire Danes, whatever. But I didn't know that. I thought that was like pretty interesting. Yeah, but, uh, that's true. Yeah, because yeah. Leo is Leo's young, but he's still like an adult. Like he's like twenty, yeah, yeah nineteen 21. or twenty. Yeah, twenty one. Like he's just yeah, it's yeah. like yeah. fresh out of Titanic, or maybe just before. Titanic. It was just before, this I just think. Before, yeah. This is just before. So I had another little like movie tidbit about his co-stars so apparently him and claire danes did not get along um, oh really during the filming um not that they didn't get along i just don't think they had like much like relationship outside of like the relationship which is fine um but so one of the reasons why was because apparently leo was like a prankster on set and she wasn't very like into it i think she was like trying to be a little bit more serious and he was like not not playing along Mm-hmm. And I and I'm bringing this up because then I want to go into his relationship with with Kate Winslet, which has been like a twenty some yeah. thirty year odd uh, friendship at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and he apparently was playing pranks with, on her in Titanic, and she was like, and they got along famously and have continued. But then his actual pranks were he'd fart in his jacket and put it over Kate, Kate Winslet's head. And I'm just like, what the that's fuck? the prank? Yeah. That's the how, how old are you again, Leo? <laughs> exactly. But like, I'm like, yeah, Claire Danes is like so right. Like, yeah, no why, maybe, like, maybe, maybe Kate Winslet was really into that, that or something. <laughs> I don't know. 
That, so. that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I was watching a video. It was, uh, I think it was an, an interview for, uh, I can't remember what movie it was, but like uh, Jonah Hill was on the panel and he was had a fart like box that would play fart sounds. And Leo's just like crying, laughing, like losing his mind <laughs> for like an, an elite top tier actor that most people would consider, you know, true. Uh, he's, still, he's, still like very the, he's, got, he's got like that Mozart yeah. side to him, you know, the very yeah, plural. Yeah. And uh, you know, fart, yeah. Farts are universally funny. So that kind of helps too. <laughs> well, but, you guys uh, should do Amadeus. Have you ever seen Amadeus? I love Amadeus. Yeah, we oh, gotta yeah. do that. It's great. We gotta do Amadeus. Yeah. Oh my yeah, god. Yeah, I'd, I'd be up for that. You can and come and back on for that one too. <laughs> yeah, and speaking about music, like this one another, has some banger soundtrack Another movie too. that I like watched inappropriately young. Yeah, <laughs> that was most <laughs> of my loved. movie experience. Was like, yeah, I turned out somewhat okay. So ah, uh, whatever. Yeah. You know, you know, just make sure your kids know it's all they make believe. It's not real, and then they're fine. Uh, but yeah, a lot of banger soundtracks in this. Two Radiohead songs. I forgot how good the soundtrack is. This garbage and. Yeah, it's like kind of a who's who's of some like 90s and kind of like garbage. rock. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Some really, really good, really good song choices. I think it's a very good time capsule of the 90s. Like it kind of gets everything, right? It kind of gets that like, yeah, the like new wave British. Yeah, you get like the, you get you get the you Brit, get, you get the Brit hop, you get like butthole you get surfers, Brit-pop, you get like, you get, like the death the of radio, Brit hop. surfer crap. You get, yeah, it's uh, true. You also get Everclear. Um, like the sort of club scene, dance scene, like. You know, yeah. so like I feel like it really captured a lot, but that was the other part of like when I was growing up is not only did we love this movie, but also this uh, soundtrack um, played a very big part in probably shaping a lot of it, what it, what I listened to. <laughs> it kind of really reminds me of like how um, you know when the when the night when the Night's Tale came out too, you know, like yeah. just how. Uh, it, it kind of feels like that movie to Chaucer as this movie to Shakespeare, in my opinion, too, just the way, I mean, because obviously it's it's not an ad, a, a, like a full adaptation, but I mean, there's a yeah. lot of, you know, there's a lot of I Shakespeare mean, in it. There's, but... Romeo and Juliet walk, so Knight's Tale could run. Let's be That's real. True. Yeah, or Gallop, I guess. Yeah, I guess Gallop yeah, or, Gallop. Horse, or, run, <laughs> or run naked with, run naked with <laughs> naked Jeffrey Chaucer. <laughs> Such yeah. a weird, it's such a weird memory. My only, my like, like, the like biggest really... memory of Night's Tale was I had the DVD and we used to have it on like a bunch. And I just, this is the menu, like, you know, like DVDs have like the menus <laughs> that just loop. I just remember it would loop all the time. And I think it's sab- sabotaged <laughs> by Beastie Boys. So whenever I think of that movie, oh. I just think that stupid looping DVD menu. But uh, yeah. Yeah. And, DVD menus. Yeah, no, I, 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 I miss that. Yeah, I miss those, those fun, <laughs> those fun, those fun DVD menus. And I think, ba- you... Baz, yeah. Baz Luhrmann's a good kind of match for this movie too, because I mean he's, yeah. he's so like theatrical and musical, like a lot of a lot of obvious influence and stuff, even like from Bollywood too, like the big sequence when everyone's a dragon dancing. I, I just I forgot so much of this, and like I I just really appreciate his just visual style. Like any director who's kind of an auteur, like I'm always into, and I, I just I, I just think he goes for a for a very kind of unique take you know taking kind of like period pieces and settings and putting like modern music and kind of modern style into it like um and he did that of course for like the great gatsby which is sort of taking that you know that 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 kind of period piece and same setting and then putting in like what was like jay-z did the soundtrack or something like kind of going (laughs) all those those moulin rouge jump cuts you know (laughs) yeah i was reading why he did that he's like well it's like you know the 20s is a time of excess and i kind of wanted to kind of look at that through kind of a modern lens and you know he's he kind of you know takes the material the sense the spirit of it and what it's going for and you know puts in kind of a modern context where it kind of matches i appreciate his like maximalist approach like he's you know he's he's there to make like a good time and like there to like but like not so over the top like michael bay or something like that but yeah exactly it's like he he wants to entertain you but he's trying to do and he just like goes for it and he's not trying to be subtle and there's probably there's no reason to be subtle i mean Mm -hmm. why like it's shakespeare come on 
Um, yeah. But uh, have you guys seen like Strictly Ballroom or the or Moulin Rouge? Have you guys watched either of those? I've seen Moulin like, Rouge, yes. I've never seen Strictly Ballroom. Yeah, I've seen Moulin Rouge, though, yeah. Also and- another like important film of my upbringing was oh, cool. it's actually amazing it starts off as kind of like a mockumentary about the like about the ballroom scene in australia and uh it's it's great you guys gotta watch it it's I'm, I, yeah i'm really uh, interested to watch i like it. i like yeah. a bit of dancing and i like australian film too so i'm yeah. a bit for that <laughs> it's and not, not yeah it's 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 a little bit like more subtle or like pared down version of like you know, it's not Moulin Rouge. It's not, it's not a Romeo and Juliet. Like you can tell he didn't have budget, but like, it's really good. It's really good. Anyways, here's, like it's, here's it's, one for you. It's, it's a bit off topic, but have you seen adventures of Priscilla queen of the desert? Yeah, of course. Duh. Oh, yeah, of course. That's Come a on. Movie. <laughs> I love that movie. <laughs> and I'm really excited for the new uh, Baz Luhrmann's doing a new uh, Elvis movie that's coming out, I think in June. And I saw oh, a trailer yeah. for that. And, like, and some people are like, what is this? And I'm like, I can't wait. Like uh, I've been in a big Elvis kick recently. So I'm like, I, it's, just like specifically designed for me, with so. Elvis, Elvis mania. Well, yeah, ever since we did that uh, John Carpenter one, and I've just been listening to music yeah. a lot. It's just been, it's just been in my brain. So sometimes oh, you just get on a kick so of someone's music and that uh, you can't stop listening, but uh, yeah. And, and I, I think this movie, like, I, again, I really like as well, the kind of the chorus taking it instead having like kind of this TV media perspective of like the news anchor, you know, the kind of started in the movie. And I think the, the beginning of this really channels a lot of like, I think a little bit of like LA riots, like, you know, early nineties, LA a period of, you know, racial strife and stuff like that. And it, it it's fun. You have to kind of suspend your disbelief a little bit, of course, because we have like these warring mafia factions, like going gunfire and the police <laughs> are just like, okay, well, you have to settle down everyone. Nothing to see here. And uh, yeah, control it, yourself. Yeah. Yeah. It, <laughs> yeah it, it's funny how like the movie really kind of, of balances you know this like this material and just you know the real world like there's scenes where we get like mercutio it's like singing along to a song and kind of like the normal prose but then kind of like adding in little flourishes to kind of make it work in the in the dialogue mm-hmm. of the movie um yeah pretty pretty fun and i, I just think i really also like pete postlewaite's performance as uh as father lawrence oh, i he's, forgot he's, he's in this. everything yeah. isn't it yeah yeah and he's like probably given the best best like shakespearean performance in the movie i'm like oh yeah i, like, I think I, this I, is I, the, yeah. this is like the best period for pete postlewaite too because you know he had james and the giant peach yeah. and he had this oh, I love too movie, and yeah. I, I just he's he just an incredible <laughs> actor you know <laughs> oh yeah yeah definitely and uh i i just and that whole opening sequence with like uh, all the montagues and uh, yeah jamie kennedy like just going goofball like it's a lot of fun watching it and uh i i just like the, i i find like the first half of this movie is so like stylish and bold and i find maybe the one of the things i i kind of didn't like as much as i felt like the second half kind of plays a little bit more straight which to me, I really wanted more like chaos, craziness, and uh, even like even some of those the styles. Like when we go to the Capulet house, it's a little bit of, like kind of like montage cinema going on where characters are going. It's like super speeded up, and everyone's kind of moving around. Um, really fun flourishes, and then yeah, the second half plays things a little bit more straight, but it is a lot of fun to watch it nonetheless. Like especially you know knowing the play and, and knowing how it goes. Um, and I forgot Paul Rudd's in this. The guy never ages, of course, like permanently. I know. Like, <laughs> what kind of human growth hormone is he taking or something? I don't know. We'll Something find the out. water. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And this movie did really well, too. I think it like um, it made like 147 million box office. It wasn't supposed to be. Like, I was reading uh, Boz himself didn't think it was going to be like a really, you know, big hit, like a modest budget. But yeah, this movie really kind of unexpectedly blew up. It was like number one when it came out. Um in the fall so yeah i mean this movie really kind of i think made his career and it's probably considered probably one of his 
his best ones. I mean, everyone loves lives like Moulin Rouge and stuff like that. But mm. uh, I, I always just appreciate him that he doesn't release movies that frequently. It seems like every like four or five years, he's kind of got something mm. in the works. But they're very, they're uh, very, they're always very stylized too. I mean, he's got that Elvis movie coming out too, and yeah. you know, they're always very stylized. A lot of like jump cuts, um, yeah. To which you know works for for better or for worse. I don't, I don't like his use of jump cuts as much. But I mean, that's just my opinion. Yeah, it very, creates this very yeah. stylized experience. I think. Yeah, he goes for big, bold, like very colorful, very flamboyant. You know, you know the gays are eating. You know, he's giving the giving giving the people what they want. And uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I just think I just think it's a lot of fun. And uh, this one particularly, like I, I still I still love like pretty much all the all the performances and the way they kind of make the families fit in the world with like the two big like tower buildings like across from each other. It's funny because it is taking like a LA, but it's doing its own thing and kind of making it work in the in the universe itself. And uh, yeah, yeah, and in this movie as well too. I, I don't think um, not not too much awards wise, but uh, it got like the usual like MTV Movie Awards and stuff like that. I think this movie really kind of was the one that really put Leo on the map because like before this movie, he was you know he had done like some TV and stuff like that. It done like Gilbert Grape and stuff, but he was still kind of considered a little bit like a, a lesser known actor. And then this made him like a heartthrob for sure. Yeah. Like how can you not yeah. play? How can you and play he, Romeo and not? Oh, and he's he's like. Yeah, he's a beautiful yeah. he's a beautiful man in this. Like he's just yeah. like he's and, a boyish, and, he's so boyish and good looking. Yeah. yeah. And then you have yeah. the Titanic picking up picking exactly. off too. So you know he, he goes to whole new Titanic levels, you know. It was fame. a one-two punch to superstardom yeah. for sure. Like it was just it was it, he took off like yeah. Yeah, because this, before definitely. before this it was kind of more of a cult following. You know, he had like Gilbert yeah. Grape, like John said, and what I guess basketball diaries. diaries. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I got to say, like, I really do like Claire Danes in this, too. Like, I mean, I think she has probably, people would probably pick Leo's performance over her, but I think she gives a good one. And like Baz Lerman yeah. was saying, like, one of the reasons he really was drawn to cast her was he felt like she, you know, she sells being, like, young and, and you know, yeah. naive a bit, but she does have kind of a presence to her. And, you know, she's been yeah. in a lot of good stuff since this movie, and I think she's a... She's a good, and she has a big, big blue eyes or whatever, you know, really sells it when they're yeah. looking at each other. I mean, her, the, her chin, through. her chin acting is always amazing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, the chin quiver that she can do is always good. And yeah, it's I, been a staple in it, like every movie I've seen her in, she has chin game is strong. Um, but yeah, Claire Danes, um, she, I think she also like this kind of catapulted her to like a certain yeah. part of as well, for sure. Like, um, she kind of went in a different direction than Leo, but um, I think yeah, I haven't really seen too much of her. I, th- I think the last thing I seriously, I know. Homeland last time I saw her was like yeah. Ter- Terminator Three. I think was the last time I saw her. Oh but yeah, I, Terminator I think- Homeland. Right? Yeah, Homeland. <laughs> yeah, that was a big role. Yeah, yeah. And I also love Ben Volley on this. The I forgot the actor to me. Like I was like, is that is that <laughs> Rob Gronkowski? Like it looks like a. 25 cent Gronkowski but uh now yeah. it's the it's the guy from uh I think like he's in Ray Donovan or whatever which is on my uh, dad series watch list at some point I gotta gotta <laughs> get to that one once I finished billions you know that show is just taking years off my life but uh, whatever gotta gotta finish it um and yeah, Paul Servino's plays a dad too right he's from right at a Goodfellas there too. oh that's right and, yeah, you know, he, yeah he always looks like Paul, he looks like a Paul, doesn't he? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. yeah, he just he just looks like a Paul. Yeah, <laughs> he looks like a Paul. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, I, I really I really kind of appreciate the approach he goes for. Like, kind of it, it makes it feel very kind of surreal at times. Like going through, you know, throwing in modern touches and and you're again you're supposed to sort of suspend your disbelief a bit. And I'm always willing to do that. I'm not one of those people who's like a, a total like cinema sin snob who's like, oh, this didn't make any sense. So I I just like. Kind of absorbing myself into the world of this movie and i do like when uh the the sequence when uh tybalt and romeo have that kind of little fight and then you know mercutio 
gets shot and it's it's a really i always i always find that really sad you know mercutio in a lot of ways is kind of the heart of this film and you know uh kind of really like lace it out there at the end you know the plague on both your houses or whatever and and i think like harold perrineau like he really sells it like he's so good as mercutio as, as we were saying I, I of course i just recently we rewatched all the matrix sequels and he's in that so it was weird kind of seeing that and seeing him in this yeah, like matrix what a totally reloaded. different role yeah yeah uh, it probably my or favorite or even performance in, by him in this, or yeah. even in, or even seeing him in Lost too. I mean, it's just completely. Oh, that's right. Waltz, Waltz, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then you have different uh, phases yeah. of that of that that Harold Perrineau in, in Lost too, because you have like before he kind of vanishes, and then after you know he comes back mysteriously and dis- dies just as mysteriously too. So yeah, yeah. yeah let's not talk about Lost. I yeah, <laughs> I was so another, I was so podcast. into that show, and then like, man, it, it broke that your show, heart. <laughs> that was a huge cultural moment loss. Like that was like everyone was online, like you know, looking for the clues, the viral oh, marketing, yeah. yeah, all the theories. Yeah, oh, mm. so frustrating. Yeah, and uh, yeah, this movie when it came out, pretty pretty good reviews. Our 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 man Roger Ebert, though, you know, he wasn't a big fan of it. Yeah, <laughs> well, he doesn't like any horror movies either. So yeah, I know <laughs> it's hard pleasing Roger sometimes. You know, he's got his own. Uh, yeah, he never got a chance to do a great movies on this or you know a re review. So. Yeah, like what would have what version of this movie would have made him like it? I don't know. Like, did, would he want it like more played straight? Like, what, I think he like, was more. What do you want? He, yeah, he was more into like the West Side Story, I think. But I like the fact that it doesn't take itself right. too seriously. Like it, that, that's sort of yeah. kind of the sticking point for a lot of people is that Romeo and Juliet is kind of inherently kind of a goofy movie. Like it's it's a tragedy, but it's a tragedy that you're not meant to be that you know sad about. Like you're you're kind of meant to see kind of the absurdity of it. And you know, a lot of people have suggested that like when Shakespeare was doing this play, like it wasn't something that people were meant to. It's kind of like now with like orchestras and stuff, like classical music, everyone gets dressed dressed up and you know takes it very somberly. But you know, and of its time, it was a lot of that yeah. music was a little bit more pop. Yeah. You know, for the masses, yeah. you would you'd be going to the Globe Theater and like you know there would be royalty there, and then like just the pores, everyone kind of mingling. So it, yeah. it was meant to be pop entertainment, and I like the fact that it does treat it as as pop entertainment. Um, yeah, agreed. Agreed. Yeah. And uh, I, I think otherwise, like, I, I think to me, probably this is like one of my favorite Baslerman. I mean, I, I love Moulin Rouge too. Like, I love the music in it. And um, I haven't seen Australia, though. I know he did that, like, kind of like, oh, yeah. no I think it was like a bit of a bust too. Like, I think it wasn't like, yeah. Hugh, Jack- have, you Jackman seen in it? have you yeah. seen it, Robin? No, I have not I seen, seen it. it. But yeah, I remember <laughs> it being kind of a bust. But yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe we should, maybe we should watch that. It was like, it came out around the same time as like Cold Mountain too. So I always get the two of them mixed up for some reason. I know they're kind of not the same movie, but they're like, so different. <laughs> they're so different, but I always, I always kind of get them intertwined for some reason. <laughs> yeah. And I, oh, I also love Juliet's nanny in this. Like, she's so good. Oh yeah. Like, she's oh God. Great. Yeah. Her and her mom, like the scenes together, they really help sell it. It's really sad too. Like when, you know, Juliet's mom really like turns her away when her dad is like raging at her about, you know, not yeah. marrying Paris or not wanting, willing to marry uh, Paris. It's a really tough scene, really sad. And, uh, you know, watching it, I was pretty struck by it because, uh, yeah. you know, I, it's it's a sad scene within the play itself, but the way it's done in the movie, like you just really, you really feel like she's someone who doesn't have a choice that she's sort of stuck. Well, in this but she's also, of- but she also like really plays up kind of the mob life stuff at the beginning. Cause like she's making out with her cousin to Bob. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> and then she's like fawning over Paul Rudd's the prince or the count, whatever Paris. And uh, like she's 
kind of also I don't know like I feel bad for that scene and obviously the violence against her but like yeah. I mean I'm not I'm not willing to say that she's like a like a, a total victim here because she's yeah, it's like, oh. it. she knows she knows exactly <laughs> what's expected of her as a role and like what yeah. she's trying to force her daughter to do right so eh. yeah Juliet Sagaga she's, she, she's good at yeah. being a mob the mob wife for sure yeah she's like Juliet Sagaga and she's Paul Ritter young Leo god you know what terrible yeah. choices to have yeah <laughs> oh <laughs> Life is so hard. <laughs> well, okay, yeah. who would you choose, Paul Rudd or young young Paul Rudd or, or me? Leo? In the context uh, of this film, or just in general, like if I just in, yeah, you know, I don't know. I'd, if it was like, I would say in the context of this movie, it would be it would be Leo. I would general, probably Paul Rudd. He just seems like kind of a yeah. Paul, I would, chill, I think so. Too. I, like, more I, like Paul, with I like him, Paul Rudd a lot. Maybe I don't who know. Would you go maybe. for? <laughs> yeah, yeah. What are you feeling? Um. Yeah, I mean, Leo, you're choosing like a life of pain. Yeah. <laughs> you're about to enter a world of pain. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know. Those fart jokes, man. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. But uh, this one's also, I think, filming film wise, it was shot uh, in in most part. Part of it was filmed in Miami. A lot of it was actually filmed in, in Mexico City. It just has like a very, you know, you, you can feel kind of the environment it fits in. Like it's so like humid and hot like all the scenes the beach when, when they when the radio head kicks in and leo's you know, smoking the cigarette you know being all forlorn about his feelings and it just feels the so best good scene yeah. in the movie oh yeah probably yeah that <laughs> i like that one and i like when uh tybalt uh when when Rikusha dies and like the weather's perfect and then immediately like, just giant storms come in at once it's just like wow where are they? and they're on they're a stage yeah <laughs> Yeah, it's a little bit on the nose, but uh, yeah, <laughs> it's just a lot of fun. Pretty much any of the Mercutio scenes to me. I think he, I think he's probably my oh, favorite man. performance in this. Is just watching yeah. him, and every scene he's in, he just makes you laugh and really like you know plays like again. It's like Mercutio's kind of like the gesture role in the play too a little bit, and like he's just taking it like that and and making a lot of fun to watch and and makes yeah. the characters' relationships work a little bit better too. I think that's one thing that uh, the, the director does really well too, is he kind of really emphasizes, brings up those scenes as kind of entertaining too. And I think Shakespeare would have liked that aspect too, just kind of the the fun that he has with <laughs> those scenes with Mercutio and Tybalt. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mercutio. Yeah. He steals every scene that he's in and like, yeah, I can't, I can't say enough good things about him, but I also think, isn't he supposed to be like kind of a proxy for the audience or like, yeah. For like, he's, you know, the common man or something like that. Yeah, he's playing like the the kind of the, the fool role, which is supposed to be funny in the context of the play, but it's also kind of like, you know, the yeah. the only the only person that kind of sees everything for how stupid or silly it is, or right. you know, knows the dramatic irony going on and that sort of thing, and right. it, it makes it it makes it fun. You know, at the end when he's just kind of cursing both of them, you know, he's pointing out the fact that these houses are both, you know, they shouldn't really be warring. It's all all over nothing, and if if they were willing to, you know, put their, you know. A hatred for each other aside you know things would be good they're the ones because they're causing all the problems and uh i love the change in this where instead of like the uh the prince of verona it's the vondi curtis hall is like the police officers always shows up i know just, i like, thought <laughs> that was really good too and it also played into the fact that i'm watching the wire right now <laughs> so I was oh like, yeah 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 I'm like, I'm like, yeah. Every, everything Jeez. everything's connected yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're gonna extended scene where he's like listening in on their calls he's like we're gonna we're gonna yeah. arrest the capulets yeah Get a wire the, wire, the wire is tapped yeah yeah we got <laughs> i want to i'm waiting for like the read the, the you know the the version of this movie that fo- focuses on him you know seriously taking down these two mafia empires that that's uh 
yeah, that, I would be down for that. And I love like the gunplay in this movie too, because like it is like you know they're using guns and swords, but it's not like it's not like wire foo or anything that we've seen. It's it's a little bit more. Um, it's dangerous, I guess, but like it doesn't feel as like you know people aren't getting like so casual. It's so apart. casual, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's so casual. Like the beginning when like they're just at the gas station and immediately just firing on each other, and then it just sort of goes away. It it's makes like, sense you want in the one movie. You know, yeah, well, or imagine always yeah. like carrying a sword around, and then you could also just have a sword fight like whenever, wherever. Like, that's kind of interesting. Yeah, <laughs> like, like that, was, that was reality. I guess I'm gonna do it now. I guess I die at the age of 27 or whatever. Gun yeah. control culture and like guns in, in the states or wherever this is supposed to be set, like that was also a thing. Or like the Wild West, everyone had guns. Oh, like when they went to the party and then they're leaving the party and they have to go pick up their guns at like the like the security the gun tent. check. Yeah. <laughs> Where's your ticket? Yeah. Okay, C2. Okay, here it is. Here's your uh, nine millimeter. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 It's like it's like the the the, the U.S. Is still the Wild West. You know with this movie because like there's just guns at every corner and you know really hyper realistic kind of portrayal of of gun control right <laughs> in this movie yeah and by the end leo's like getting the shit like police are all over shooting him like it's a big shootout and like i just love like he like hides in the church and like there you hear the gun the shooting at the door and then as soon as he closed the door like everything's fine like no one's shooting yeah. at him anywhere I'm, like, yeah. Yeah. and it's such a sad scene at the end you know when uh when juliet uh when 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 she takes the poison, of course, gets knocked out for a few hours. That I was laughing because, like, we were because, like, Leo, like, you know, takes the poison and she's just like smiling at him, like a big goofball smile. Like, just like, it's like, yo, touch him or something, you know, get his attention quick. I always but, wanted, yeah. yeah, I know. I'm like, why doesn't she see anything? But I like, you know, maybe she's waking up from a coma. She gets, she did, she was just like, you know, passed yeah, out for like, yeah, her brain is like <laughs> running at like 25%. Like, yeah, exactly. It's like, who are you? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I would I I would always scream at the at the at the at the at the television during that. Like, why doesn't she say anything? Why didn't the priest? Why didn't the priest just like go hang out by the body? Like that. Yeah, freaking freaking communication problems in Shakespeare. (laughs) Put a guard on her, you know, like. Yeah, they had to send the post haste, which is like the UPS in this movie. It's like the post haste. Oh, I mail. love that. When like I love that scene though, when he so like Romeo and what's his face are leaving the trailer park and the and the, the US post guy is just like, Oh, I have your letter here. And, <laughs> yeah. and is he like way. he's playing like baseball or something? He's like hitting a ball or something. He's just yeah. kind of like just doing nothing. Yeah. But uh yeah, yeah it, it's it's fun. And it's a really good scene at the end, too, because like the way like the the whole like the funeral, the how it's laid out with all the candles everywhere it's quite grand and yeah yeah, and maximalist too like it's just yeah it's a great it's a great scene yeah um would you rather be killed or banished i mean i'd rather just i I, I like i I, I like i like being alive so i well i mean i want to like yeah like like in gladiator you know like where the guy gets like stabbed two twice and he killed by two arrows like i'd be okay with that but if it was like some lame death maybe just banished i think is, is probably better I feel Epic like it'd be easier. Or... Yeah, I feel like it'd be easier to be banished back in those days because you know you didn't have to like uh, get all your IDs and stuff. You could just go to like another what, town and assume a new ID. What I want to know and, is like, you know. why did this rich boy go to a trailer park to be banished? Like, <laughs> yeah. are you kidding me? Like, I don't believe this. Like, yeah, like your dad doesn't have like a property and like uh, yeah, like go to Boca go to Miami or, or go to yeah. like you know like Craig. they don't have a timeshare somewhere. Like, they can't just crash exactly. yacht yeah. on the yacht off the island or something. <laughs> yeah, you gotta hide in this like uh, yeah trailer park straight out of like independence day or something you gotta stay there like, uh... oh we gotta cover that movie too that's a great one too <laughs> oh my god independence day oh yeah. is that great. michael bay that's uh roland emmerich oh, okay 
Oh uh, yeah, the classic. Yeah, especially you know current events. You know Will Smith, like a you know great Will Smith role. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't slap. Yeah, the alien, oh yeah, he, he, sla- he slaps the, he sla- he punches he punches the alien. He punches the alien. He didn't slap him. Yeah, he's like welcome there. <laughs> Gives the alien a big old slap. Yeah, didn't expect that. That alien did. Man. Uh, so I, I would say, is this one? Would you would you guys say this is your favorite Romeo and Juliet ab- adaptation? I mean, like I'm a huge West Side Story guy, so to me that one's my probably my my favorite. Yeah, I, but I thought uh, it was okay. I I I do like the aspects of the '70s one that uh, yeah. um, Robin was mentioning, but I mean, I think they're probably both the same yeah. rating for me overall. Um, I I think it's okay. I haven't seen like a Romeo and Juliet that I love, you know. But I mean, this one's entertaining, but. <laughs> Mm-hmm. what do you think Robin? no it's definitely like my favorite i mean like it, mm-hmm. yeah you know, it's the greatest movie. <laughs> it, yeah. it raised it's only, me it's only the best child, so. um but uh yeah like i don't i also don't know if i'd, I'd say like west side story or other ones that don't like draw directly or don't use the actual source material i don't know are they the same category you know what i mean yeah yeah i also didn't really like west side story but yeah have you watched the new version of it john not yet. It's on my list. I've been wanting to go see it in the theater. Apparently, it's always it's the weirdest good. times. Yeah. I want to go see it. It's like Wednesday at 3 p.m. Like, I guess I'm not seeing it. Like, it's the dumbest times to go see it. I mean, it needs a good seven o'clock showing. And then, uh, mm. yeah, hopefully I'll, hopefully I'll be able to catch it next week. But yeah, I, I, I do like the fact that this one is willing to just like take the original prose and dialogue and just play it kind of straight with, you know, craziness and the visuals. Usually it's different, like playing it straight with the setting and and you know stage material but sometimes they'll just like take like something like king lear like okay it's now the 1940s and like that's why they speak now kind of modern or they'll do something like that but right. this one's like going for the opposite approach like no we're gonna take yeah. the original text original dialogue and like build a whole movie around it and i think when i was reading when he kind of pitched this to uh i think it was 20th century like this was coming off strictly ballroom and he was like i have this idea for this movie and you know there was some people who were kind of like this is kind of an odd take they thought it would be kind of boring and you know no one's gonna right. want to go see like this you know, movie with original dialogue, but you know, it, it was such a big Succeeded. kind of surprise. And yeah, yeah, it worked really well. Um, one oh yeah, and one question I wanted to ask you guys: What did you guys think of the 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 famous balcony scene? Right, because everyone knows the like where for out the Romeo, and like he switched it up. She wasn't in the balcony; she was down on the floor level, and he was up in this like in the in the <laughs> trellis or whatever, you know. I like it. It's a lot of fun. It like it kind of again. It kind of skewers it a bit. It's less than the kind of the typical kind of you know gendered romantic roles of like yeah, Romeo it, climbing it up. Breaks, it breaks free those too because I guess it's showing it's a new age. You know, it doesn't have those kind of set gender binaries anymore too. So and it allows it's kind yeah. of exciting. It allows them to go in the pool and then like make out and then the guy's yeah. <laughs> like, oh, what's going on? Okay, and turn around and like it allows for that great moment too. And uh yeah, I, I think it's a lot of fun. I really like their kind of uh even though I guess in real life they didn't really connect as well. I, I think their relationship in this is a lot of fun. It's fun to watch it and uh, yeah. It, 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 I, I can see, I can imagine too. It's, it doesn't feel like overtly like gross or anything like that too. Like it feels just like really kind of, it, it's playing, it's a little, it's playing a little bit innocently. Like later, you know, when they're coupling over, uh, are they, are they with Friar? I guess it's not Friar on this father Lawrence. Are they father like Lawrence. at his place and like shagging or whatever? Like, I'm like, where, Oh no, he's at her. I think he stays over house. at her place. Yeah. He sneaks yeah. in. That's yeah, right. Yeah. At her house. Yeah. And it's pretty tasteful. Like he, they're, they're naked, but like his arms blocking, like every, you know, the it plays it pretty straight. Yeah. <laughs> It's pretty sweet though. It's a very, uh, very, uh, very fun scene. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, no, I, I, uh, I like it. Um, mm-hmm. I always find it interesting when there's like a famous romantic couple on screen and then they didn't really get along well off screen. So, oh, they hate, like, yeah. yeah they, 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 
I was reading that too with the uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula too, because Gary Oldman and Winona Ryder hated each other. Yeah. And it's like. <laughs> um, yeah. Another one was uh, Jennifer Grey and Patrick Swayze from uh, Dirty Dancing. Oh, really? Like apparently they didn't get along. Oh, that must really? that must have been awkward. That must have been awkward. <laughs> yeah. <right. laughs> and then uh, what is the other one? Oh, I haven't seen these, but like the Fifty Shades of Grey, the people, the Dakota Fanning and what's his face, they didn't like each other either. But I oh, like, actually, I mean that's a movie you kind yeah. of have to, like, or I guess yeah, you hope to yeah. have good. Yeah, if you don't have good chemistry for that, probably not a not a good time. Yeah, we some weird kink that is uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to check that movie out. Maybe it's good. I don't know. I've heard uh, it, looks, it looks goofball. <laughs> disastrous on screen couples. <laughs> yeah, well, one of the movies I watched this week. It's not disastrous, but it has like a really weird on screen couple. When we get to that, I'll, I'll talk about it. It's just pretty uh, pretty fun. Um, anything else you want to mention, or do we want to just uh, go ahead to our our ratings? Anything you guys want to? Point yeah, out. I think that's uh, everything uh, for me. Yeah. yeah, I'm good. All right, uh, Curtis, why don't you kick us off? What What was your score out of five? Yes, yeah, so I gave I gave it three out of five. Uh, really cool. entertaining, kind of fun to revisit too, especially uh, you know now I, I, it's been a few years since I saw. I think the last time I saw it was in high school, so it was fun to watch it again. And it's fun seeing this movie too because I think everyone just looks so young, you know, because I guess uh, you know you're Leo and you have you know. Paul Rudd, you know, looking like Paul Rudd. <laughs> and yeah. Uh, yeah, just all the actors are just so young in it too. And I guess, you know, um, you know, you look at Leo now and he still looks great, but I mean, he's, he's a little bit older now. Um, yeah. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's a fun take on it too. I don't know. I think if I was in high, high school, I'd probably show it to my high schoolers, but maybe not for university. But um, yeah, it's kind of like, like I said too, I think it's kind of like what to Shakespeare, what Knight's Tale is to, um, yeah. to Chaucer too. Um, so yeah, three, three out of five for me. What about you, Robin? Um, well, I mean, it's always going to be like 5,000 out of five for me because it's like <laughs> such a, nice. such a important movie in my upbringing. Um, but like, I'd say it's probably like a three or a four out of five. Like it's, you know, one, you have to like, like Shakespeare, like be like buy in to like watch a Shakespearean movie, which not everyone is into. Mm-hmm. I am. Um, and it's also just like super fun and like campy and over the top and like visually you know really entertaining and it's candy for the eyes so i like it cool cool yeah i went i I was like three and a half four i could go either way i went three and a half like yeah i really like this one i think i don't know if it works that well as like a way to kind of teach shakespeare like i think actually knowing the material knowing the dialogue and then coming back to it like i actually appreciated it more like i remember watching this in class in high school and I think people were so kind of it was just so bizarre because we're like oh it's like people have guns and stuff and it was hard to really kind of get into it but you know coming back to it it's a really fun visual movie it, it does feel like a little bit of like a time capsule now of the 90s with young Leo and it just of the setting it's in it feels very uh, very much a throwback to a specific time in like LA or 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 in the setting it's in it, it feel it feels it has a kind of a timeliness to it it's just it's just a lot of fun very visually very fun chaotic uh fun performances it's not my favorite take on the material but i i really enjoy it and um it's it's just a it's it's kind of a cool way to see shakespeare done with this sort of manic style and i just i kind of like how manic it is like the first half we get that like big dance sequence with mercutio i kind of <laughs> wish there was more of that i feel like the second half was a little bit more it kind of just goes to the, the material a little bit well they died john i know but like it's just so stupid. oh no 
channel. Thanks for the spoiler. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Spoiler, uh, spoiler alerts. Uh, no, yeah, would it be great sorry. at the end? They die. They die at the end, and they get up and start dancing. Yeah. Like, just go like musical at the end. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I mean, what, like, what, what I, the point of the tragedy though that they like build you up? Yeah, they always they, like, die. That's yeah. true. Yeah, it's, it's, it's no. about the journey. It's about the journey there. Yeah. I'm not. A, I'm not yeah. appreciating the dramatic structure. I'm like, make my tragedies more silly. Come on. Well, when, <laughs> I, when, I, when I was when I was silly. when I was watching this again too, I kept thinking about like I don't know if you too. Well, I think you watched Hot Fuzz, John, but um, there's that scene where they have this really bad Romeo and Juliet playing. Oh, that's Fuzz, right. I, yeah. I kept Poison. Yeah. <laughs> Poison. Yeah, it's funny. <laughs> cool, cool. So overall, we gave it three and a half out of five. Hey, that's pretty good. That's like a BB plus. I, I'd say that's that's pretty fine. Uh, yeah, if you've never checked out uh, Romeo and Juliet, you, you don't really know much about Shakespeare or you've never seen this movie, I'd say, yeah, everyone should go and stop this. Go check it out, watch it, and uh, enjoy it because it's, it's a lot of fun. Dive in. Yeah. Well, let's get into the whole what we watched this week. How about uh, Curtis? You watched a whole bunch of stuff. Why don't you uh, yeah, walk so us through what you I'll watched? I'll try and yeah. hammer speed through it. So the first thing I watched was Against the Ice. It's a Netflix film. Cool. Um, I, it's weird because I think it's an American production, but it's, it has like a Danish cast. But anyway, it's it's uh, based on a true story. It's about these two guys. Um who are Danish and they're in Greenland uh, in the early 19th or early, early 20th century. Um, and they go across Greenland too. So kind of one of those kind of survival films like Arctic with Mass Mikkelsen. I, I had a lot of fun watching it too. Uh, it, it, it's pretty brutal. There's some, you know, spoiler alert, some of the, some of the sled dogs die, which I was oh, kind of no. sad about, but, <laughs> and they have some of the, uh, yeah, very sad, but it was a good movie. And uh, a lot of the Game of Thrones alumni are in it too. So Nicolau, I can never say his name. Coster Waldo, isn't it? He's one of the oh, mains. Cool. And then um, Charles Dance, who plays uh, Tywin Lannister. And, <laughs> and he's kind of like the same character, basically. He just has all these kind of great <laughs> steel scening, scene stealing moments. And he's very kind of theatrical, you know, with his uh, his um, performance. So it's very good. And then I watched The Green Mile, too. And as we know from the early Sea uh, Truck movie podcast days uh this is one of my favorite stephen king yes. adaptations one of my favorite films and yeah i mean watch i watched it so many times and i watched it for my girlfriend hadn't seen shawshank redemption or green mile so we watched them both not on the same night because that's a lot of emotion but uh <laughs> yeah yeah here's the tissue <laughs> yeah, boxes yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 but it's such a tearjerker i was like trying not to cry like super hard but i was like yeah you know i'm just gonna cry at this scene because like i, oh my God, I can't yeah. hold it in anymore and it's interesting with that film because i always have some kind of little you know, observe stray observations while coming back to it too. And there's that one character too, and I won't spoil it too, but I mean, after you watch the film again too, I mean, he's kind of the comic relief the first time you see it and then you know what he's done and it's like, oh my God, like this is just heinous. So, I mean, it feels kind of weird watching the comic relief scenes again because I'm like, this guy is just, you know, he's more than just a del delinquent prisoner. I mean, he's actually a serial killer and a sick person, but um, yeah, I mean, one of my favorite movies and I think the direction for that movie is yeah. just perfect. And too. So Tom great. Hanks was in the zone then, like that was the end of peak Tom Hanks. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah. uh, it was uh, Frank Darabont. Yeah. So he did uh, Shawshank Redemption too. So it's kind of a nice companion piece too. And I, I right. hope, uh, I really hope Frank Darabont does another kind of Stephen King adaptation because I love the Stephen King adaptations. Yeah. yeah. Mm. And I did, I watched um, Death on the Nile, which was not very good. The new one? <laughs> and that's the, the, new, the new one. one yeah. Yeah. It, it was on Gal HBO Gadot. Max. Gal Gadot. Yeah. And I, well, that was a selling point because I was like, oh, I don't know if I want to watch it. And I'm like, oh, Gal Gadot's in it. <laughs> and so my girlfriend and I watched it. And Acclaimed actress like Gal Gadot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ken Kenneth Branagh directs. And I was, I don't know how you two feel about his Shakespeare takes or whatever, but he plays her cool uh, Poro. So oh, yeah. sorry if I mispronounced that. Yeah. But I mean, it's a sequel to the uh, Murder on the Orient Express. Express and it's just this very lavish too. It's a little bit, uh, 
it's well, it's one of your exploitation films, maybe a little bit, John. Oh, but actually, I, mean, um, I gotta watch yeah. it. Now. I'm excited. About it. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, I just didn't really enjoy it. It felt a little bit empty and shallow, and uh, you know, they had these mm. scenes with the CGI pyramids, and I was like, well, you know. Come on, what's what's really go to Egypt? Just go just to use Egypt. the real pyramids. Yeah, <laughs> we do it. Egypt, They're right there. Yeah. <laughs> just use them. See those now crocodiles up close. Yeah, but um, yes. I mean, I I do like you know I always have a problem with Agatha like Christie novels too because I'm I'm really bad and I always want to skip to the end to see actually who did it. Um, but um, I do like how uh, you know the main character. Um, you know, he, he just pieces everything together. I think that's always really incredible. And uh, yeah, there's a lot of scenes in it too. I didn't really know why they were in there too. I think maybe just Kenneth Branagh as a director maybe maybe i'm being too hard on him but um yeah um yeah it was it wasn't very good so <laughs> skip that one and then i watched something even worse uh it was the uh eaten alive which is a uh, toby hooper's uh, follow-up film to the original texas chainsaw massacre and oh, i was all oh. excited for the concept for this movie because i was like oh this weird weird ass like backwoods guy like has this motel and he's, he's deranged and he feeds people to his crocodile but it was really bad it was terrible and i i don't know if it was trying to be psycho or what and there was a thing with the lighting like the lighting was red for the whole movie and That's there was weird. fog machines going off all the time yeah and i it just felt like a very amateurish nonsense film that the, the the soundtrack was really annoying and i was like is this the same director and like this feels like a debut, debut film rather than a you know and everything that made you know Texas Chainsaw Massacre so great you know the realism of it too mm -hmm. I mean this is this is not it you know there, it's that mm. scene where uh, Marilyn Burns is running at the end too like imagine if that was the whole movie and, and I mean that scene in Texas Chainsaw Massacre was great but as a movie that's really really bad <laughs> and it's it's absolute shit they killed off the character that I liked there was this kind of prostitute character that I really liked and they killed her in like the first 15 minutes sorry for the spoiler but it's terrible oh, damn. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> oh sorry guys but she was my favorite and then I was like well I don't really care about this movie yeah. and some idiot, some idiot brings their 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 dog to the you know to this hotel and that that's a bad idea if you have a an alligator there you know just yeah. that's dumb um and then i also watched um the pool which is another alligator movie um oh that, <laughs> is that the one on shutter yeah it's, it's came out 2018 it's yeah. really really good actually it's a thai film and it's about this guy and i don't know he works on a movie set and then he like falls asleep in the pool and they drain the pool yeah, that's right, and he gets yeah. trapped at the bottom of the pool and then an alligator or a crocodile comes because he's next to a crocodile farm i guess bad, <laughs> and a crocodile. Bad pool, yeah. <laughs> yeah and then his girlfriend falls in the pool too and then there's a dog too and a Oh I don't know, man! So Stop many, falling so in the pool. Yes, yeah, so many dogs in your movie. Put up signs. Stay away. Yeah. I re I really like dogs, but I don't want them. In, I don't like them in these precarious like, situations. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, will not, not watch there. a movie where a dog dies. Oh yeah, well you might not like my picks this week. Okay, I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> but just warning you. <laughs> but uh, yeah, this one. You know, thankfully the dog doesn't get eaten by the, the alligator or whatever. But um, yeah, this Boiler. is very much. It's much better. This is a much better movie than Eaten Alive. And uh, okay. um, yeah, it was actually kind of fun. Very creative, too. I mean, this guy, he's kind of like Rambo. Like he's bitten by crocodiles and he falls off the edge of the pool and his nail cracks or something, too. And he's still like going strong. He has he has diabetes, too. And he doesn't get his insulin shots. And I mean, he's oh, still shit. like going like it's like 11. And I'm like, geez, like, where's where's that energy coming from? But like, I mean, crocodile yeah, motivated it, energy. Yeah. Yeah. Crocodile motivated energy. So yeah, it was it was good. I like that one. And um, the last one I watched, I watched it actually today too. I, I felt like watching more kind of Asian horrors. So as yep. I was telling John, I, I'm trying to move away from my uh, my scarring from Takashi Miki and watch other J horror and K horror. So I watched uh, Gonjiam Haunted Asylum, which is um, it's a found footage film from a couple of years ago when it's about um, they, these uh, 
Korean young Korean folks and they run this like YouTube channel and they decided to go into this uh, abandoned asylum, which is actually based on a real asylum in, in Korea that was haunted and it was torn down. But I mean, you can kind of guess what happened and it was fun at first, but then I was like, well, I've seen this like movie so many times, I feel like, mm-hmm. and it was better than, it was better than Grave Encounters. I think a lot of movies are better than that, but like, I love Grave Encounters. Um, so yeah. better. Um... <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe you'd like this one, maybe you'd like this one, but yes, <laughs> the ending was a little bit unsatisfying and uh, okay. I mean, but I, I did I did enjoy the first half more than the second half. You know, like they're like doing recording, you see like a bang in the wall, and I was like, well, I jumped. I was like, ah, you know. And that's also on Shutter. So that's cool. everything I watched this week. What did you uh, What did you watch, John? Uh, sure, yeah, I watched. Uh, I, I was a bit busy, so I didn't watch much. But I, I watched a few kind of disparate ones. I watched. Uh, this was on my watch list. It's an old film from 1955, uh, The Night of the Hunter, uh, classic movie directed by Charles Lawton, which I believe Charles Lawton was like a was a stage actor and really theatrical and then made this movie. This movie at the time wasn't really much of a hit. It was kind of critically panned a little bit. So after that, like he never made another movie, which is wild because this movie is actually fucking amazing. And like, what a, yeah, what a great visual movie too. And uh, it stars Robert Mitchum. He plays this, um, the serial killer he's been going he's a he's a priest that goes around murdering women and i think at the time of this movie he's it takes place in sort of depression era 1930s he's already murdered about like 20 25 women and you know he's very misogynistic and you know he's a very violent he's, a, he's the, ta- the tattoos on his fingers yeah the love me. and hate which they parodied on the yeah. sideshow <laughs> bob with like the love and actually robert yeah. mitchell was in the original cape fear as like the you know which later also sideshow no. bob in the, in the in the simpsons parody but uh yeah he um he gets caught i think he's driving the stolen car and ends up in in jail um coincidentally at the same time this other guy um has killed two two people and stolen ten thousand dollars he goes home where his family is his uh, young son and his daughter's there and he says like kids like i'm gonna hide the money we find out that he hits them hides the money in the daughter's doll and he's like you know don't tell anyone don't even tell your mother like keep this safe take care of each other he gets arrested he's going to be executed um they're in prison and you know he finds out through him that he's taken this money and when he, he we, it, the movie kind of moves along, but we find out he's gotten out of prison and he's now come to the town kind of playing this like very charming, handsome preacher man. And of course, Shelly Winters is the young widow. She's kind of playing the exact same role she played in like Lolita, where it's like this young woman gets like, <laughs> you know, meets this man who's this monster who like sort of get, falls for him and the kids are now vulnerable. So the rest of the movie is really her with this guy who's a monster and the kids, you know, know what's going on. They're trying to kind of he's trying to go out, go after the kids to get the money. And it, it's, it's a, it's a lot of fun. The movie's cool too, because it is, you know, it's sort of like a standard wrote like kind of fifties noir style movie, but it's very expressionist with its visuals. Like there's some amazing shots with like, it, it feels like you're watching something from like the silent era in terms of the way it's shot. Even, there's a great scene with Robert Mitchum's going up the stairs to get the kids and it's following him with his hands. It almost looks like Nosferatu a little bit or something like that. It's also a little bit kind of like a, a fairy tale at times, like the opener and ending, like it, 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 it's it, there's a lot of emotional ground covered here Does it and have I, the I, book that like changes the no there wasn't the book yeah oh, okay <laughs> like the dis the classic disney yeah the with, disney like, the, the disney classic stuff oh. i love i was like i always knew i was in for a good for a good movie when that happened yeah we get the live action book oh. opening like oh my god yeah, yeah it's yeah. gonna be great uh but i'm, I'm really ex- i'm really excited you told me it's on tubi too because i i've been wanting to watch it for a while and i i actually tried to rent it on youtube recently and i think i got some new movie instead that wasn't very good oh. Um, yeah, probably. But it, it kind of reminds me. It kind of reminds me of Flannery O'Connor. I haven't seen the movie yet, but I mean, it reminds me of Flannery O'Connor, like kind of warped kind of society. Yeah, and, it's, it's sort of like that. Like Flannery O'Connor's like Southern style, kind of you know, yeah, twisted American, Southern tales. Gothic. Yeah, yeah, and this is sort of like that too. I I I loved it. I probably one of my favorites to watch this year. I mean, I, for we have a 
audience of listeners, some of them are a little bit less into older stuff. So I'd say if you're someone who doesn't like a lot of older black and white films, like watch this, it, 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 it feels very modern. And it was it inspired a lot of like new Hollywood folk, like Altman and Scorsese were really kind of taken by the style, kind of, you know, moving away from kind of noir and kind of realistic, naturalistic sort of uh, filmmaking going for more yeah. stylized stuff. It's, it's really cool. It holds up really well. Uh, they have a, really they great, have a little really clip great. here on, uh, on YouTube too of uh, Guillermo del Toro presenting it for Criterion, which is kind of cool. Yeah, I think it was on the channel for a bit, but uh, not not right now, at least not in Canada. But yeah, I, I thought it was an awesome, awesome film. And uh, also rewatched uh, Glorious Bastards, which I love that movie. I saw it <laughs> twice on the opening weekend. I went with two different groups of friends. And I think that was the first like uh, Quentin Tarantino movie I saw in the theater. Um, and I, you know, I've always loved it. And coming back to it, I love it even more. It might actually be my favorite one. I just love that. I mean, a lot of his later works after... Um, Kill Bill have been kind of explicitly about like violence in movies. Like it feels like every movie is almost like a, a movie about, you know, how violence is portrayed in movies. And certainly this is a little bit about like violence as a way of like film propaganda. No, a lot of it's focused on like the German films of like war heroes. And there's that great scene. I mean, I guess minor spoiler, but when they're in the theater and the chaos is happening, you know, we're seeing Germans watching like, I'd be basically like kind of war propaganda, like Lini Riefenstahl type films. And then we're seeing them kind of turned on them with the Americans firing on them. And it's like kind of making mm-hmm. you feel, how, you know, how, how we can kind of be influenced by by that itself. But the movie is so much just about films in general. Like every character in this movie is like, using switching between different languages and playing a role in a role within a role like Hans Landa's character has like four different languages right from the beginning he's you know he knows the role he plays in the story and is you know he's he says like I'm I'm happy about it like I I take my role very seriously but we see how he shifts in in different modes and settings There's, there's so many things I caught on like there's a lot of people who suggest that he actually knows who Shoshana is the whole time through the movie and I never caught that first time but when you rewatch it you kind of get a sense that yeah maybe he does because like their meeting and he's like yeah she'll have the milk and it's such a weird thing to <laughs> order for someone and you yeah. know, and, the, and the way he looks at her too i mean I, yeah i think to me maybe this might be my favorite uh tarantino i just i think yeah it's, it's, so it's kind of like a, it's kind of it's kind of like a revenge fantasy too you know with eli roth as kind of the scalp hunter and then the scene where they supposed Hitler to be adam sandler i wish it was it could have been the same <laughs> man but uh i think he would have been really good at it but we'll have to settle for uncut gems but uh no he was uh it's it's a great film it's so layered and um, it, I, and some great needle drops. I mean, you always got the great soundtrack in that in his films. But I love like the Ennio Morcone score, and and even when we get like the the David Bowie later, like the the Cat People. Like, I, it's just such a it's such a great, well constructed film. I think, and and even this the whole sequence in the basement where like everything kind of goes completely wrong. Uh, but you're just constantly on edge. You don't know what's gonna happen. Watching all the background characters is great. Like you see the bartender kind of the whole time. He's kind of scoping everyone out, and it's just also a really mm-hmm. funny movie. Like, I mean, Tarantino movies are always like really funny to watch, but this one in particular, there's so many moments where, like, even in that basement scene where like the the SS officer like he just pops out of nowhere. He's like behind the wall. He's like, I uh, I actually heard. So, and like he just like where was this guy the whole time? I was just I, it made me crack up. And and even the beginning where it's like, okay, now I've heard you speak English. Let's now switch it to English. It's very deliberate in the way it kind of. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. moves to different kind of languages and, and, and characters but uh yeah it's it's still a lot of fun to watch i love that film and uh what else we watched one it's so weird we were like let's play like a word association we just searched a random word and we're like let's just watch whatever that is That's so funny we Uh-oh. searched <laughs> uh, we searched the word vibes and we found this movie called vibes it's like a 19 late 80s um kind of like a screwball comedy it has a it stars jeff goldblum cindy lopper and peter falk peter falk's this guy um it, in ecuador his friends went to find this like treasure that gives you power and like they disappear 
And he's like, oh, I'm going to recruit people to go find them. And we find out like uh, Jeff Goldblum, Cindy Lauper, they're part of this group in New York. They're like psychics. They all have like weird kind of powers for like telepathy and stuff like that. And it, it, it starts off pretty awkward. Oh. Like there's basically no story at all, but it's kind of fun. Like it's Jeff Goldblum right after the fly. And I love Cindy Lauper and she's great in it. You <laughs> I know, like Peter her... Falk too, man. <laughs> yeah. And Peter Falk, it's, it's kind of screwball. It's kind of funny. It's like, I feel like it's a little bit vaguely racist because like they go to Ecuador and it's, it could have been like any, uh... any country. It's just like an excuse to be like, oh, in the jungle, exotic. And like, there's like right. a guy the, the alligators. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's like that vaguely racism and it's not explicitly, but it's just the setting it just could have been anything. Mm. But it's um, exotic. It, exoticism of the otherness almost yeah yeah but it is it, it actually was kind of funny at times like uh, i really enjoyed uh jeff goldblum's cindy lopper's performance I, like you know jeff goldblum's always super sarcastic and dry and yeah you know she's <laughs> she's pretty funny with like her strong new york accent and everything and like they just play i feel like i need to watch this one. this sounds like ridiculous yeah i think it was i think it yeah i think it was like an hour and a half so you could just like burn through oh it, yeah so. perfect yeah. fun fact if any of you like peter falk there's a colombo statue in budapest for some reason i think because he has like hungarian ancestry but there's like yeah, there's like a Colombo statue in Hungary. If you're ever in Budapest, it's been traveling. I was very really happy like, about it. It's like, honey, we have to go to the Peter Falk statue in the Capitol. All the way, just for Peter. <laughs> the people that like, can we like not have a statue for like our own people who live here, not like some like American <laughs> actor or whatever. But yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, that was about it for what I watched. Uh, how about you, Robin? What did you watch this week? Um, so I was actually, when we were, when I was listening to you guys talk about it, I was like, I was like, when, what, the, what was the last movie that I watched before when I rewatched Romeo and Juliet? And it was, I, I had never seen this movie and it's like one of the like source material movies that have been referenced and re-referenced and referenced again. And I watched Apocalypse Now oh, cool. with my mom when she was visiting a couple weeks ago. And neither of us have actually seen it. And I'm like, mom, oh, like, what are you Did you about? watch like the full like four hours or whatever? Yes. Was? Yeah. <laughs> it was so long. Um, but like it was really good in the sense like like um I really liked the part where there was the commander who was obsessed with surfing. It was like like it Charlie was don't surf. <laughs> yeah, that was hilarious. And like it was just really interesting to see the source material because like I was aware of Apocalypse now. I knew the story. I read Heart of Darkness like yeah, eight times in yeah. university. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, but it was really interesting to see like what all those pop culture references were actually referencing. Um, good movie, yeah. super long. Um, I love Dennis Dennis but, Hopper, and then I think Lawrence Fishburne is in that too. He's like one of the the yeah, he's like a boy in that. Yeah, one of the one of the guys on on the boat for sure. Um, like really good obviously racist and sexist like i'm like yeah. there was like the whole scene where they went to this where they found this camp and the playmates were still there and they like bartered to get bartered with gas to be able to sleep with these playmates and i'm like is this necessary i don't, I don't even think, think this they is have names they, 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 like, yeah, yeah. they, they don't even they don't have names either it's like what is this yeah <laughs> like it was just i like that was you know, I'm, 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 I'm willing to like suspend my, you know, modern sensibilities sometimes, but like that, I'm just like, what the fuck is this? Like, yeah, but it's still, we're talking about, it, I think, cause this is a, you know, it's, yeah, it's very like, it was limited. Just, like the part where they had the concert with them and they were dancing like that was, I felt important to the film, but like this scene where they were like bartering for the sex, I was like, there's no other reason for this other than to get boobs on the screen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I had a problem with that, but anyways, did, so I watched did your mom, that. Did, did your mom like the film? 
Um, no, she said it was three hours. She wasn't going to get back. But <laughs> oh, she, did, no. she did do a lot of knitting. In there you go. Well, that's good. Yeah. yeah. Good knitting film. Top five knitting So yeah, she did, it was, it was worth it. It was worth it. She got to spend yeah. time with you. So. Um, but then also, so I watched, that was like probably the most recent movie that I've watched. And then um, I've been watching The Wire. I've never seen The Wire. So we've watched from the beginning. We're on season cool. five now. We're about halfway through season five. I think my favorite season is season four when they're in the school and they have like the, the young kids and, you know, Pres Belusky is like in like teaching them and, and McNulty isn't so crazy. And then like season five, McNulty goes back to being like an asshole, which <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't really get this like boomerang thing, but I guess it just means like, you know, a, a tiger never changed their stripes or whatever. Mm. Um, and I just like how they're kind of like throwing, like, you know, they're going like balls to the walls, like going really crazy, like, you know, setting up fake murders and like just to get this wiretap up. And, and I also love the, I also love the wire because this show is a time capsule and like in a time capsule in technology because yeah. In the f- season five, like they're they're up on the wire and they're like tracking the cell phone, but they're sending pictures. And so like it's like this this it also tracks this like development of our texting culture and our cell phone culture and how that like had had changed over like the you know ten years or seven years that it was on on television, which I thought was like pretty cool, pretty neat because like yeah, like I imagine like the 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 wiretap technology would always have to adapt and change because everything was, was, was changing as well. Um, yeah. Cause but, they have that scene in the, they have that scene in the Sopranos too, where with big pussy, where he gets like uncovered and he has that kind of the, the old school wiretap. Yeah. They're so right. bulky. Yeah. It's like a birthday <laughs> right. box on your, yeah. Like on your chest. Yeah. yeah. But uh, like, I mean, I totally see it. What, you know, everyone was saying like, Oh, it's like one of the best shows, one of the best shows. And I, I mean, like, it's really good. Um, and I think for the time that it was, like, I can totally see how it, like, captured everyone's imagination and was, like, very good. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely would put other shows above it. And, yeah, you know, I think the fact yeah, that it's I- so... It's so police focused, and I think now people yeah. are so more critical towards the yeah, cops. Yeah, dis- dis- dissolution, of- dissolution of the police, maybe. Yeah, yeah. and it's not but like I the show is like Valor like- of police. It's 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 showing them critically, but it's it's yeah, in some ways I, I think it's aged worse because of that. Fact that like when I first started watching it, it wasn't what I was expecting yeah. as far as like cops drama goes. Um, so I do kind of like the fact that like it shows the like backdoor dealings and all the political play yeah. and all that crap which is exactly i heard it you have to be really focused when you watch it too because i heard like I, i'm like i have a bit of adhd and i heard like you have to actually sit down and make sure you watch like each of the yeah episodes. yeah my 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 boyfriend would like yell at me in a video because i was on my phone yeah, yeah. <laughs> like do you look over here it's like, like <laughs> <laughs> did, did, did you have you watched mayor of east town too because i'd be interested to see how those two shows what? compare mayor of east town with kate winslet oh it's on i HBO. did see mayor of east town oh my god okay so like <laughs> mayor of east town was like over the top and i found like almost like camp in how yeah. like it oh, was, I really liked it actually. <laughs> I liked it, was, it, but like it wasn't subtle in any. Of it was very no, contrived. No. It was <laughs> like it was like cramming and it was like slapping you in the face with like yeah. thematics and like all the plot twists and stuff. Like, like, was, like wow, yeah, yeah. It's like oh no, a hard boiled like 
cop who has like a checkered past and the, like, <laughs> I, it's like i don't know i meh meh <laughs> i i could take or leave mirror of youth town but i mean maybe like, I sharp 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 objects is really good too i thought i really like that one i haven't seen that yet. Oh, it's it's, it's sure. one of my it's one of my favorite like miniseries sharp objects oh yeah i've never yeah. seen that one but I that's amazing that's amazing it's amazing yeah you should watch yeah. it um and then so i watched the wire and then i binge watched this week uh season two of bridgerton and this is interesting in what we're talking about today with romeo and juliet because it's another piece of uh media that mm. like takes um period or you know historical setting and then puts a modern twist on it i mean i find myself giggling or like bursting out laughing because they have the music in it are all like really bad violin string adaptations of like modern songs like there was like miley cyrus wrecking ball like and you could always oh my God. hear it so they start they they like start playing a couple notes and then i'm like wait is that oh my god like it's just so like it's so hilarious um but again like it just kind of it's a good like mirroring of modern and like historical content i mean it's fully totally modern Mm -hmm. like like the books were written right now like and none of it is actually historical um but it's a bit like like, it's a bit like outlander it's just like a very kind of modern yeah pretty yeah kind of Uh, but um one of the things that i do like that they did and the 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 writer of the of the original books um set this up is the um, actual society is a lot more diverse. So you have um, black people, Indian people. You have like that. So it's not just like the like strictly and, and, all, and also like you have era. Indian people, but they're like they're more emp- empowered in those roles. Yeah, too. exactly. Like they're they're part of the gentry. Like the there's queen. No, there's no colonial India. The queen, is, the queen <laughs> is herself is black, and like that was what was kind of established in like the first season. That like the reason why this society was more accepting was because the king fell in love with this with this uh black woman and then so therefore it became fashionable which was a thing like that was like how things became fashionable you kind of just did whatever the royals were doing and so that was sort of the like i mean they didn't really have to give a reason as to like why why it was diverse they could have just made it diverse but i just thought it was interesting and then yeah because a lot um, of people get like a lot of conservative people that get kind of uptight about it i'm like it's a it's an artistic take on the past and really uh, it makes you open your eyes if anything yeah yeah that's kind of like my my thing and now too with like these um well what conservatives would say like revisionist history but it's just like guys like we can do whatever the hell we want (laughs) yeah yeah time to move beyond the white enclave yeah but uh it's an interesting one i mean like yeah it's very much like outlander and stuff and that is kind of like smutty and like it's all about like angst and stuff like that i'd say that this season this season this season less sexy than Uh, last season but a lot more pining and a lot more angst oh okay good too too. i heard i like some juicy juicy gossip yeah 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 (laughs) yeah but I mean, it's good. I'm, I'm, and I also like the fact that they have um, quite a lot of source material to draw yeah. from from here because I think this this type of show could get away from writers and you get like kind of an overblown, crazy, weird universe going on. But the fact that they have like eight books to draw from and every season is probably going to follow one of those books, I think it like it will help contain it because I just find I just think that this is going to be like 
it would just go over the top. Yeah, they'd be like spin-off movies and like it would just keep But they going. are doing a spin-off apparently. Oh. Um so Shonda Ryan, she's um Shonda Land is one of the producers or the creators of the show. So um they're actually gonna do a spin-off based on Queen Charlotte, who's the the black queen or whatever. Um so they're going to sort of show, I guess, her falling in love with the king and all that, and like maybe more of the like the origin stories of like why it was like more of a diverse society to begin with. So I guess anyway, so I guess they're gonna I'm go, they're gonna, well, they're gonna go into that or origin story. I'm really glad you bring that up, actually, because we're going to be looking at uh, the new Macbeth movie later this month, mm. too. So it's kind of a nice, uh, per, you know, introduction With, uh, to do some of those topics. Who is it? Denzel and yeah. Francis McDormand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> huh. Yeah, so you guys are doing the Macbeth and then what we're other doing, adaptations? We're doing ten, 10 Things I Hate About You next week, I think. And then we're okay, doing. Can uh, I come back on for that because that is. Yeah, you're, you're always you're always yeah. invited. You're always yeah, invited. Come back. Yeah. yeah, hell yeah. We're doing um, and we're doing Lion King. I think after that, and then we're going to do Macbeth probably at the end of the month. Oh I my think. God, yeah, we're hilarious. doing we're doing what we're we doing a double billing. We're doing the new Macbeth, the tragedy Macbeth, and we're doing the the yeah. Blansky, the really dark Blansky one. I think we're yeah, doing the seventies one. one. Everyone's favorite director, you know, everyone's favorite person. Yeah, uh, Blansky. Yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> we, we had a good dis- we'll have a good discussion about it too because I, I I had a discussion with my colleagues too. My colleagues screened it too, and we had a you know we had a good discussion actually with the class about you know what a terrible person Blansky is. But then we we talked about the merits of the film too, and I think that was really good to have that discussion. Too, yeah, so. that's a, that's another one we watched in high school, which I'm like, that's kind of edgy to watch in high yeah. school. Yeah, Playboy <laughs> I watched produced. That in high school as well. Yeah, with like oh, the wow. naked eggs. We're like, boob, you know, we're like seven, three, seven guys. We're like, wow, <laughs> boobs in a movie in school. Can't believe this. Can't believe this is happening. Wow. Yeah, but hag boobs. Yeah, uh, you know, <laughs> hag boobs. Whatever. Boobs boobs. Yeah, it's still, 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 still fine. Um, yeah, so I think it's, it's next week, 10 things. Is that what we're, I have no idea. 10 things next week, yeah. Cool, cool. Yeah, so we're continuing. And then, probably, and then probably Lion King and then probably double bill for Macbeth after that, I think. Yes, so. and and once we're out of our, once we're done our Shakespeare month, uh, our carpenter beat, we're back with uh, Big Trouble Little China, which I've actually never seen Big Trouble Little China. It's Qu- Quinn's, Quinn's, Quinn Quinn's favorite, so I hope Quinn will be back for then too. Yeah, so. every, it's one of those ones everyone's <laughs> seen I haven't seen, so I'm Who's excited. In to... big, who is in that? Is that Kurt Kate Russell? Kurt Russell, Kurt Russell and uh, yeah. Kim Cattrall? Isn't Kim Cattrall I think, in that? I think maybe, so. she, maybe she's in yeah. it too, yeah. I think I watched that and it was like, yeah, I was insane. It was all over the place. I didn't like it, but I want to, I want to watch the whole thing this time. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll like it more this time. <laughs> and, I, and I think they live is after that. I've watched, they live like three times in the last like two I weeks. Watched I watched that recently movie. It's so good, man. It is actually read. really good. Yeah, that's I getting five that. stars for me. Yeah. Easy. Well, yeah. we love, we love, we loved having you here, Robin. You'd be welcome back anytime. It'd be great to have you. So, well, thank you. I, I have many opinions. So, yeah, we like your opinions. Your opinions are appreciated. <laughs> yeah, thanks Always for coming on. Much appreciated. Yeah. yeah, no problem. Cool, no cool. No problem. All right. Uh, great chatting with everyone. We'll see uh, everyone uh, next week. Take care, folks. Take care. Bye. Say